Matthew chapter 1. Today we're going to consider Joseph. Jesus' adopted father and the uh, espoused or the husband to whom Mary was betrothed. And we begin reading at verse 18. Now, before this, in chapter 1, is, uh, Matthew has given the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's generally understood that this is really Joseph's genealogy. There's two different genealogies given in the scriptures. One is here. The other one is in Luke chapter 3. Matthew traces the genealogy of, genealogy of Jesus from Abraham up to the birth of Christ. Um, and I'll mention that when it says... Um, in verse 15, at the conclusion of the genealogies, Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born, and that's understood uh, to be Mary. It's in the, the Greek has, they use gender in their words a little differently than we do, so you can identify if it's talking about a man or a woman. And in this case, this is feminine. So when it says, of whom was born, it's not referring to Joseph in any way being Jesus's natural father because Jesus was not Joseph's son by natural generation. He was uh, conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit and did not have an earthly father. So it's referring to Mary there, of whom, in the, that's in the feminine gender in the Greek, was born Jesus who is called Christ. So Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus's adopted father because legally, Joseph was his father, legally, but not biologically. And so we have this. But he goes out of his way to point out that Jesus was not born of Joseph. He was born of Mary. Uh, and so he upholds that. And very clearly, because in the verses we're going to look at today, uh, the promise of the virgin conception of the Messiah is clearly set forth. So um, then verse 17, he talks about the 14 generations that, as he uh, had set forth his genealogy, and then we come to verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray you'd open your word to us at this time and open our hearts and minds to your word. Lord, write it in our hearts and in our minds. Help us to remember what we read. And I pray that the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this passage is about Joseph, but we can say for our sermon purposes, actually, we probably should say like we said last week, this is about Jesus. Okay, but the narrative includes Joseph as Jesus's uh, adopted father. And so we're told here that Matthew starts off. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. So he's going to focus on the events concerning our Lord's birth. In Luke, we saw last week the events concerning his conception. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, that she was a chosen vessel and that uh, she would conceive in her womb and bear a son. Her question, not of doubting, but of method. She said, how is this going to happen? I don't know a man. She was espoused to Joseph, and in Jewish culture, an espousal or betrothal, actually in biblical culture, was the same as a legal marriage, even though the couple had not yet come together as man and wife. Uh, it was considered to be legally binding, and that's why you see Joseph is trying to figure out what to do once he finds out that Mary is with child and he doesn't yet understand how this happened. So Mary asks this question, and the angel, the angel tells her that, the Lord is the spirit of God is going to come upon you and the, the uh, power of the highest will overshadow you. And that literally means that there'll be like a cloud or a shadow will come over you. And that which uh, is conceived in you uh, will be from God. And so the, so the narrative in Luke gives us that information. And then later we're told she goes down to visit with her um, cousin, Elizabeth, Matthew, it generally is understood by most commentators that because it's a, no, Joseph was aware that Mary was with child, that this probably takes place after she had returned from her three months of staying with Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, up until right before the birth of John the Baptist. So you can imagine how Joseph feels. He uh, is engaged to Mary. In, again, in, in biblical or Hebrew culture, she's uh, his betrothed wife, but they haven't come together yet. They haven't had a formal ceremony, so they're not living nor acting like husband and wife. And she comes back from her three-month visit to her cousin, and pretty clearly she's with child. Uh, whether Mary attempted to explain this to Joseph or perhaps because uh, she was still in her father's house, he may not have had a lot of communication with her. She may have told him what happened. Uh, but whatever's going on, he's not sure, and that's what we're told here. <clears throat> he's perplexed, clearly. He's pondering. He knows, all right, here's my my wife, legally, we would say fiancé. She's with child. I'm not the father. We've not been together as husband and wife. Whether, she, whether he had been told or not, we're not given that information. We just simply knows that she was found to be with the child. And notice the, the, the term is she was found to be literally discovered to be with child of the Holy Spirit. It was starting to show. Okay. Um, either that or someone, you know, noticed or she told someone or who knows. We're just told she was found with child. But the narrative is very clear to let us know it was of the Holy Spirit. This goes right along with what Luke tells us. The scripture complements itself and it doesn't uh, go against it. So then we're told, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. We're going to see Joseph's character emerge in this. 
And that's really a good thing because keep in mind, you know, we looked at Mary and we saw how last week we did a little bit of a character study of Mary and we saw that and just her behavior when she was given the announcement. Later, when we look at her song, as it's often called, the Magnificat, when she spoke to Elizabeth, uh, when she visited with her, we see Mary's heart fully displayed there. And we see what an awesome young lady this was. And here in Joseph, uh, we see by his actions what an awesome young man he was. Um, some try to say he was older, but, you know, there's no reason to think that he was in Scripture. There's, you know, Joseph and Mary were probably relatively young. But we see his character come forth. We see it in his actions, not his words. Actually, you know, there's no word from Joseph recorded in Scripture. If you look at all the narratives, he's told things by the Lord, and then he does it. He's a man of action. Really good example. You know, he was going to be Jesus's adopted father. What a father he was. Uh, we know a lot about Joseph. We know he taught Jesus carpentry. You know, Jesus at one point is referred to as the son of Joseph, the carpenter, as the, or as the son of the carpenter. Elsewhere, Jesus himself is referred to as the carpenter. Jesus labored in that field. Joseph undoubtedly taught him. And it doesn't, uh, you know, mitigate against the humanity or the deity, I should say, of Christ. When we consider that as to his humanity, he went from lesser to greater knowledge. He learned things as a human being. As to his divine nature, of course, he was omniscient. He knew everything. Omniscient, as you know, means all knowledge. Uh, he, he knew everything. But his human nature, his human mind knew exactly and whatever his divine nature wanted to communicate to him. So um, as he grew, and we are told that he grew up, uh, he increased in, in wisdom and stature. And so he did go from lesser to greater as a human being. And there was Joseph leading by example. And that's what we see about Joseph. That's what stands out. The silence, you might say, is deafening. Because here we see this man, every time God tells him to do something, what does he do? He does it. Why are there no words of Joseph? Because he's not doubting. He's not complaining. We read that he's pondering. We're not told the exact words, but we can surmise a little bit. It's pretty clear in the context. But we see a man here who leads by example and who is a man of action, who obviously loved Mary. And so we do feel for him when we read this narrative. The word, and it refers to her as uh, his betrothed wife, or she was betrothed to Joseph in verse 18. That's the, the passive form of the verb in Greek to to be a spouse, to be engaged. The active form of that word means to woo or to uh, to court. And so the implication is, you know, Joseph had courted Mary. She caught his eye at one point. She was a beautiful young lady, uh, undoubtedly physically beautifully, beautiful rather, but clearly her character had stood out. She didn't begin doing good works once she became the mother of the Messiah. I'm sure Mary was known for her, her love of the Lord prior to that. And it comes out in her uh, Magnificat, her speech later, because you just see this girl was saturated with scripture. She knew the word of God. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and she was filled with the word of God. By the way, the two things always go together. Okay. When someone says they're filled with the spirit, listen to what comes out of their mouth because it should be God's word. Okay. Or in accordance with scripture. Uh, those who claim to be, you know, empowered, but they're have some kind of a really distant relationship with scripture. You can kind of wonder about that. And we want to make sure we don't fall into that category. All right. But Mary, clearly her heart was filled with the love for the Lord. And she was a beautiful girl in her character uh, and everything that Joseph could have wanted in a wife. 
So I think it's safe to say, and I'm not trying to be trite here or be too contemporary. I think we can say Joseph was madly in love with this girl. I don't think that's a stretch, okay? He's a just, righteous, godly man. He's got a just, righteous, godly uh, fiance. He is got to be totally happy. And then he finds out she's with child. You can imagine, I think, the crushing blow to his heart when he heard this. How can this be? This is so out of character with everything I know about this young lady. Everything about her that drew him to her. He's like now being held in doubt. What is what is she really? I thought she was one thing and now is she something else? I thought she was pure. I thought she loved God. I thought she was moral and decent. And now I find out she's pregnant outside of marriage. What is going on with this? It's just there was no categories to put it in, I think, for Joseph. He's struggling. In the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, so you want to know what Joseph's dilemma was, we can read about it. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 22, here's the dilemma. And keep in mind, some would say, oh, well, they wouldn't have done this. Uh, let's read it first. Joseph was a righteous man. In Deuteronomy 22, it says in verse 23 and 24, it covers the situation, but not exactly Joseph's situation, but it seemed like maybe it did. And here's why Joseph's dilemma was great. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife. So you shall put away the evil from among you. So the punishment for what Joseph was thinking had happened was death. Now someone said, well, would they have done that? The Romans did not allow people they were under Roman dominion to uh, execute people. If you remember when they wanted to crucify Jesus, they had to go to Pontius Pilate to get permission. Others have said, you're, you're in Nazareth. You're out in Kenna. Like, you know, this is the, 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 the uh, cottonwood of Judea, okay? Uh, they're going to do what they think they need to do. And so Joseph has a dilemma. He knows what's going on, or so he thinks. So his dilemma is, how do I deliver this girl that I love? We really see his character here because, you know, in a jealous rage, he could have said, hey, she deserves whatever she gets. She broke my heart. She caused me pain. She hurt me. She deserves to die. Take her out and stone her. And he could have said, that's what the law says, you know, kind of like Shylock, you know, in, in uh, Shakespeare. Uh, you know, according to the law, judge her according to the law. You know what her punishment is? Do it. Didn't, that's not Joseph. Joseph's a just man. The word just there, dikaios, righteous. Joseph understands the things of God. He understands mercy. He was a just man, and that implies in Scripture he was justified by faith. Joseph understood forgiveness. Joseph didn't uh, betray his namesake. If you remember, the one he's named after undoubtedly is Joseph, the son of Jacob. And how did Jacob behave toward his brothers after they betrayed him? If you remember, he loved them. He helped them. 
Joseph is named correctly. He wants to deliver Mary. It says he was minded. He didn't want to make a public example of her. Some have said, well, even if it wasn't, you know, that she would be put to death, just the shame um, and the the scandal that would be upon her from then on out uh, was horrible. So he didn't want to drag her name through the mud. He didn't want to do anything to hurt her. He didn't understand what had happened. Uh, not fully anyway, even if he had been told it hadn't registered in his thinking, but we're not told he was told. All we're told is Joseph knew she was with child and they hadn't been together. So he doesn't want to make a public example of her. Why? Because he was a righteous man. He understood mercy. The Bible tells us that uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. Paul the Apostle said that. Um, and so Joseph is thinking about these things. He's pondering them. So he has, you know, various choices here. He, he's not going to put her to public shame. He's going to, he, he has to divorce her, but it would be very privately done. He didn't need to state before the magistrates, so the judges in the gates there in Nazareth, all the reasons behind it. He could just simply say, I found, like Deuteronomy 24, I just found things in her I don't care about, uh, and I'd like to have her dismissed. I don't want to marry her. He could do that. There's also, he could bear it up and just simply say, well, you know, let live a lie and say, well, I'm the father. He could have done that, but he's not a liar. He's not going to do that. So he's thinking that, well, I need to just privately do this, say farewell to this girl that I truly loved and do love, and that's it. So there's there's Joseph just torn apart, you might say, brokenhearted. And I, I think that this only really makes clear sense to us if we understand how much, first, that Joseph loved the Lord, but also that he loved this young girl. Keep in mind, he was he was engaged to her, you know. He was planning his life to be with her. He thought, what's it, what's it going to be like? You know, he's going to grow old with Mary. Um, he's, you know, looking forward to being with her, having a family with her, and all these wonderful thoughts, and it's just all of a sudden gone. And so he's undoubtedly perplexed, and it's the perplexity of a broken heart. God knew what was going on in Joseph, and the Lord was not going to let Joseph bear this burden for a long time. So he was a just man, and we're told that and he was going to put her away secretly, meaning privately, without making a public show of it. But in verse 20, we're told, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, quite Joseph-like, if you know the story of Joseph in Genesis, of saying, Joseph, son of David. Now, that's that's a pretty interesting address here. He reminds him in the dream, and this was a revelatory dream. This was, you know, Jeremiah said, you know, he that has a dream, let him tell his dream. He who has my word, let him speak it faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? Okay. Um, you know, we, we should follow scripture, not our dreams. But in this case, there, there was still open revelation. The canon of scripture wasn't finished. And so he speaks to him in a dream. That was a method of revelation uh, that God used in those days. And so Joseph, son of David. So he reminds him who he, who he is. Joseph, son of David. Matthew just reminded us through his genealogy. The angel now reminds Joseph who he is. Son of David. Remember the promise given to David that of his descendants, one of them would sit upon his throne forever Remember the promise, O house of David, that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son? Uh, remember, I think we, we sang it or, or read it, 
Uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and that means the Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace. It's not confounding Jesus with God the Father there, okay? Some people try to do that. That's ignorant because the Hebrew is just simply the Father of Eternity. Um, Christ created time. God created time through Christ, says that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And so here he reminds him, you are the son of David. You have these promises. He says, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. You see, she was already his wife legally, but they hadn't come together yet. And he tells her, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She's not been unfaithful to you. She's not, you know, immoral. She's not betrayed your trust. God's done something mighty with her. She's a chosen vessel. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Remember we talked about that yesterday, the angel, or last week. The angel told Mary, you shall call his name Jesus, which in uh, Greek is Jesus. And in the Hebrew, and this very well may have taken place in Hebrew or Aramaic originally. I think it did, it was probably in Aramaic because uh, I'll tell you why in a moment, but he tells, you know, probably said his name shall be Yeshua, which means salvation. Good name for the Savior, huh? His name shall be uh, Jesus, he told Mary, and here he tells Joseph, you shall call his name Yeshua, meaning Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. His name is going to match his deeds. And so that's what he's told. And then now question 20 or verse 22 could be asked, well, is this the angel still speaking or is it Matthew? It seems it reads as if Matthew is here adding a commentary, but it is somewhat possible that the angel was still speaking and explaining to Joseph what was going on because he's not yet risen from his sleep. But there we read. So all this was done or has been done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. That's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That was written 800 years before these events we're reading about. That was a prophecy written uh, in the 9th century B.C. by the prophet Isaiah. Okay, uh, His name shall be called... I believe it's 9th century. It could be 8th century. I have to go back and check the exact dates. But... Um, you shall call, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means in, by interpreting God with us. That's who he's going to prove himself to be. His name is going to be Jesus, but you're going to find out he is Emmanuel. He's God with us. And then we're told in verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep. Wow. What a, what a, literally it's jo Joseph being raised from sleep in the Greek. Okay. Joseph being raised from sleep. You ever wake up and you just feel good? Okay, that happens once in a while as you get older. It happens a lot maybe when you're younger. But isn't it nice when you can wake up and go, wow, it's a brand new day, okay? Um, and then the phone rings. But Or you realize, oh, it's Monday. But it's good. Still, it's a good day. You know, sometimes we just wake up and we've been, we had a good night's rest, you know, pleasant dreams. And it's whatever the weather is, whatever it's going on, we just, wow, praise God. What a beautiful day. Thank you, Jesus, you know. I hope your days are like that. I think that's what Joseph has here. He lay down a troubled man. 
boy, when he woke up, there was his troubles were gone. <laughs> okay. He woke up and he, wait a minute. I think one of the things that was probably a great comfort to him, not just the knowledge of what was going on, he realized, I'm speaking here of a guy that's engaged to a girl that he loves. I think one of the things that was his comfort was, Mary does love me. She's not been unfaithful. She's just as pure, more pure apparently than I ever thought. Okay, not just in her body, but in her soul and spirit. This is the girl God chose to be the fulfillment of the prophecy he gave 800 years ago. She's the mother of the Messiah. She's the virgin that's prophesied that would conceive and bear a son. So Joseph wakes up and he realizes that God loves him. He knows this because the Lord just sent a message to him to comfort him in the midst of his sorrow and affliction and brokenheartedness. His heart's not broken anymore. It's bound up and healed. He knows. Wow. Praise God. You can be sure he was thanking God. Mary still loved him. He still loved her. The impediment. I think Joseph probably clearly, he just, it says he, he got up, he did as the angel commanded and took to him his wife. So he was like, all right, somebody might throw it at us that, hey, uh, <clears throat> you know, she was with child there before you guys were finalizing your marriage. I think Joseph's at this point, look, if they want to know, I'll tell them, but it's none of their business, you know, and he took Mary to his wife. You can be sure he was so happy. And so was she that look at Mary's perspective. She loved Joseph. She was, she was planning on marrying, you know, loving God doesn't take away from your other relationships. It actually makes them what they're supposed to be. She loved Joseph and she had to know that eh, he's not wanting to marry me right now and then when he gets up what a comfort to her what a comfort to her when joseph took her to be his wife and he told her mary don't worry about anything the lord told me i had a dream an angel appeared to me he told me exactly what is going on i know that you you're pure i know you're good before god by grace you know you're forgiven and cleansed and you belong to him and what's going on here is nothing bad you're my wife i love you We're, you're going to have a beautiful son we're going to name him Jesus. He goes, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so you can just imagine the joy that Joseph had knowing, wow, this girl that I've been totally in love with, I'm totally in love with her even more now. And you can be sure Mary was like, oh, I don't have to go through this alone. You know, she was willing to do that. But she now realizes that she's not going to be alone. And when we see in the birth narratives, you know, they have to go down to Nazareth. Who's with him? Joseph, they, he takes his wife. It wasn't the best journey, probably, because uh, she's nine months pregnant when that happens. Jesus is born. There's no room in the end. Well, it doesn't say, and Joseph got a room for himself, and she stayed in the stable. It doesn't say that at all. He was with her. He was there when this little baby was born. Uh, and she brought forth her firstborn son, we're told. And Joseph names him Jesus. Jesus, you know, soon thereafter, well, it's possible within two years, okay? Because later when the wise men come, they're still in Bethlehem. That was Joseph and Mary's ancestral home. So they had family there. And Joseph was a carpenter. And he could, you know, earn his trade anywhere he was. He had skills. Um, but they're in a house. When the wise men come, they're not in the stable. It says that they, the wise men entered into the house. So they'd gotten a house. And But then an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. If we read on, we'll find that. And tells Joseph, you take the mother and the child and you get out of here because Herod's going to kill the baby. Uh, he's going to try to. And so Joseph flee, flees to Egypt. And whether they had, a, you know, they probably weren't rich because 
in Luke, when they came to present Jesus, the offering that you were supposed to bring, there was one where you were to bring, uh, you know, an animal. The other one, you, if you had said, if you're poor, you could bring just a, a, a dove. And that was the offering. And it says they came and presented the turtle doves because, and that's indication that Joseph was not wealthy nor Mary. Um, but later when you're told you need to go to Egypt, Joseph's right there. He takes care of her. He's, he's got her right by his side and her baby. And they go to Egypt. They stay there. Once he hears Herod dies, he comes back. He finds out that Archelaus, Herod's son, is on the throne. You know, that guy's just as bad as his dad. So he goes up north to get away from them, goes back to Nazareth. Next time we see Joseph um, is when Jesus is 12 years old. And remember, they, they think he's with them, and they, they go down for the uh, Passover, and then they, they, they're coming back home, and they can't find Jesus in the crowd of their family and friends. And so they're not sure what to think. And they're, oh, what's happened to him? So they, they go back to Jer- Jerusalem. They spend several days looking for him, and then they find Jesus in the temple. And Mary comes to him and says to Jesus, you know, uh, do you not know that your father and I have been looking for you? You know, for several days and, you know, with anxiety and grief. And that's when Jesus told her, did you not know that I needed I need to be about my father's business? He gently reminded Mary, Joseph is my adopted father, but I'm here for another purpose. And you should remember that. And she did. And then he went back, it says, and he was subject to them. Uh, He began his ministry at uh, 30 years of age. So for the next 18 years, (coughs) Jesus worked as a carpenter. And sadly, when Jesus begins his public ministry, Joseph isn't mentioned anymore. Uh, We find when Jesus was dying on the cross, he committed Mary to the care of his disciple, John. He said, remember, he said, you know, behold your mother and woman, behold your son. And then John says in his gospel, from that day, John took Mary into his own home. So Joseph was no longer on the scene. And it's pretty clear Joseph had passed away during those years. And we're not told when or how soon. Uh, So he passes silently, just the way he he worked. He was a man of action. God received him, and and Joseph had fulfilled his purpose. But what an awesome man he is. And uh, we're told in verse 24 of Matthew, Joseph, being aroused or literally raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife. Okay? Uh, again, just awesome, you know, uh, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. There's pretty strong evidence in the scriptures that Jesus um, had half brothers, Joseph and Mary, had a normal married relationship and a normal life. Um, in Matthew 13, if you want to mark the scriptures, Matthew 13, 55 and 56, we're not going to look all these up, but in Luke 6, 3, John 7 at verse 5. And also that Acts chapter 1, verses 12 and 14, it mentions Jesus' brothers. And uh, John actually tells us that before the resurrection, his brothers didn't believe. So you can't say, well, these were his brothers in the faith. No, these were his physical brothers, half-brothers. Jesus was the firstborn. And then after that, it doesn't diminish anything. You know, married life, you know, a marriage is honorable and all, it says in the book of Hebrews, you know. So it doesn't diminish anything to say that Joseph and Mary had a normal marriage and had a whole bunch of children. It mentions his brothers. It mentions Jesus' sisters. So they had a lot of kids, probably, it appears. Okay, Jesus had a, uh, he was the oldest brother in a family. And 
he grew up with them. And later it seems that they came to saving faith because, you know, they recognized that Jesus really is the Messiah. It's pretty interesting because, you know, growing up with Jesus and then recognizing him to be sinless tells us he really was sinless. Generally, you know, if you live with someone for a couple of days, you're going to find out a nice person, but not sinless. Okay. But they lived their whole lives with Jesus as their older brother. And, um, Later, after the resurrection, they fully understood his messianic office. They didn't have a problem believing in him. They knew, yeah, everything that we were told about the Messiah does fit with our brother, our half-brother, Jesus. So Jesus was born. Joseph, and I just think it's wonderful because he didn't know her until she had brought her firstborn son. And some just say that just means, you know, that they uh, were, she was chased uh, and, you know, until the they're, he had been born, and later they had children. But then with that last phrase of chapter 1, I just love it. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus. Where did he do that? He did that in the stable with Jesus there laying in a manger. Probably first saw him in Mary's arms right after he was born. And there Joseph looks down, sees him, remembers God's promises to him. Who knows what he thought about, but clearly he remembered what the angel had said. You're going to name him Savior. And he looks down, he sees this little baby, and he knows what the prophecies are. He knows all the events, how it all came about. And it's that that silent night, that dark night that we sing about, where the shepherds are out in the fields and everything going and hustling and bustling in the world. But in one little area, one little town, Something wonderful had happened. And Joseph looks down, and I just would have loved to have seen Joseph's face the first time he got a clear vision, a clear sight of this newborn baby. And he looks at him, and he says, his name is Jesus, Yeshua. He's the Savior. Talk about a proud dad. He was the adopted father, but talk about a proud father. Okay, pride in all the right ways. Generally, pride's a snare. There is that thankfulness to God type of pride. That's what we're talking about. Maybe we shouldn't even use the word pride, but just that glorying in God. As he looks, he named his son, his adopted son. And really, Jesus is the one that adopted Joseph, I think, more than the other way around. He looks and he's able to look at look that little baby in the face and say, Yeshua, Savior, Jesus. He's the Lord. And so what an awesome man we find here. And we see that as Mary was a chosen vessel, to bear the Messiah, to be the mother of his humanity. So Joseph was a chosen vessel to be his adopted earthly father and clearly to lead by example of what a godly man should be. So may God give us grace to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can say, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We can follow Joseph as he followed Christ. So you know what, Lord, give us grace to lead by example and to be obedient. One thing about Joseph, as I said, there's no argument in him on any of this. He's never arguing with the angel. He's never crying out. You know, None of that's in any of this. Joseph, as soon as he knows what, what God's will is, once it's revealed and made clear, we find immediate and complete obedience in him. What an example for us. We talk about Joseph being an example for Jesus growing up, what an example Joseph is for us. So may God give us grace to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and these godly examples of the people we find in Scripture, in Joseph and Mary. Let's pray. 
Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into this world to be the Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for coming. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you chose those special vessels, Lord Mary and Joseph, Mary to be the, the uh, physical mother of Jesus' humanity and Joseph to be his adopted father, to lead by example and to, to just be his earthly father. So, Lord God, we thank you. We pray you'd help us to learn from these things, that you'd work in us that grace that you work so powerfully in them, that we would glorify your name and that we would know and do your will. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.